If you have your Bibles, I invite you to join me uh, in Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22 is uh, where we are going to be in the Word this morning. And our theme today is remember. Uh, remember. Uh, many of you, maybe, maybe most all of you, uh, have a smartphone, possibly. Uh, if you don't have a smartphone... God bless you. <laughs> Hold on to that. Hold on to that. But if you have a smartphone, you can probably take it uh, and turn it on. And then there is a photo app that you can click the photo app. And when you click that photo app, it's going to open up uh, this online uh, photo streaming album. And, and it's amazing what you can do is, is we take these pictures. It's filled with pictures that... Uh, whether it was an event or whether it's something we just don't want to forget, we find ourselves taking these pictures, and and so we will remember them. And uh, I was this week kind of as I was thinking around this theme of remember and communion, uh, I I began to look back at my photo album and, and on my phone, and I could go all the way back to 2006, like almost 16, 17 years ago. Uh, at these pictures, and as I was looking at them, and, and, and then once I kind of started there, like I couldn't stop, I just kind of kept looking, and I would see these pictures that honestly, like I had just forgotten about. It was these moments or these events, and when I saw them, it just kind of like, like reminded me with crystal clear clarity about like, wow, that moment was awesome, or wow, that was hilarious, or wow, I forgot all about that. And then I started texting Amber pictures of just the youngest pictures of our kids. Just started sending them to her and just started like laughing and cracking up and around the dinner table. Like, do you remember this? This was crazy. And, and the whole thing was like, I forgot about a lot of those moments and a lot about those times. But it's when I stop and I actually go into the photo album and I actually look at the pictures. It's like, it's like I remember all of a sudden like with this clarity of like those moments or those events. And as we prepare to take communion this morning, um, communion in a way is like a picture for us. It's a picture for the church. Uh, and it's a picture through the, the fruit of the vine and through the bread. Like it's this, it's this symbolic picture of significant meaning for the life of the believer and uh, what changed redemptive history forever. And so as we are looking at the red letters, we're looking at the commands of Christ, we're looking at what He has called us to do, and today we are seeing that Christ has commanded His church to worship Him through taking communion. So what is communion? What's the significance? Why is it so important to Jesus? And I'm excited to be able to walk through this Word together and learn why it is so important and why has God commanded us to take this as His church. So Luke chapter 22 is, is the Passion Week of Christ. Specifically, it's Thursday night. And He's gathered His disciples up in an upper room in Jerusalem to take what's known as the Passover meal. Now, to understand Luke chapter 22, we actually have to go back about 1,500 years before the event of Luke 22, to the history of Israel. And to see what is this Passover about? What is the significance of this event? And so just in short, 
to understand Luke 22, we really need to go back and refresh what happened in Exodus. The people of God, the, the, the Israelites were uh, under Egyptian bondage, slavery, oppression for hundreds of years, 400 years. And the people of Israel would cry out to God for rescue. And God heard their prayer and He answered their prayer in raising up a leader for His people. And that leader was named Moses. Many of you may be familiar with the story of Moses at the burning bush, that holy moment, and got those instructions from God that Moses would go down to Egypt and he would go before the wicked king Pharaoh and he would plead for the release of God's people. And so Moses, raised up, goes down before Pharaoh, pleads with Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, no, 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 no. If you're familiar with the, the plagues, uh, God sends plague after plague and Pharaoh's heart just keeps getting harder with each plague. Ultimately to the point where God is going to send a tenth plague and that plague would be for the judgment of the evil and the sin of Egypt, Pharaoh, and all of those in Egypt. And so this, this tenth plague would be the uh, the murder of the firstborn and of all of the cattle. And so as this plague was soon to be unleashed for the sinfulness of Egypt, that it was God in His grace that He gave divine instruction to His people. And that instruction was that if you are to, uh, to not be absorbed in the wrath of a holy God, here are the instructions you're going to take a lamb and you're going to find a lamb that is without spot and it's without blemish. And specifically on the calendar, it's the 10th day. On the 10th day, you're going to pick this lamb that's without spot or it's without blemish. And on the 14th day, here's what you're going to do. You're going to take that lamb and you're going to slaughter that lamb. And you're going to take the spotless lamb, you're going to take the blood of the spotless lamb and you're going to take the blood and you're going to put it on the doorpost over your home and on your lentils and, and, and then you're going to roast the lamb and you're going to eat the lamb. There's going to be a, the bitter herb there and you're going to have this meal and, and God literally tells them to eat the meal with their belt fastened, with their sandals on their feet and with a staff in their hand and to eat it in haste because it is the Lord's Passover. And so, God in His grace, and in His timing, and His faithfulness, He does exactly what He's going to do, and He gives the go for the Israelites. It's the 14th day. And it was on that day that they slaughtered the lamb, and they placed the blood of the spotless lamb on their doorpost. And when God sent judgment on Egypt, God passed over those who were under the blood of the spotless lamb, the lamb that was out spot or blemish. And it was in that, in that event called the Passover that God in His grace leads His people out of Egyptian bondage. And if you'll remember the rest of the story, literally the, the sea parts and they walk across on dry ground and ultimately God is their God and they are His people. And He establishes in that moment what is known as the Old Covenant or the Old Testament the covenant of the law. God in His grace gave His people the law. But now, 
since that 14th day of the Passover when the lambs were slaughtered and the blood was put on the doorpost, now for centuries after century, year after year, the people of God, the Israelites that became known as the Jewish people, would celebrate what is known as the Passover feast. And it was the greatest of all the three festivals that were there in Jerusalem. Uh, a matter of fact, if you were Jewish and you lived within a certain radius of Jerusalem, it was law, like you had to go and celebrate. But everybody wanted to go to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. At the time of Jesus, it's estimated that greater Jerusalem would be somewhere around 400,000 people. But on Passover, it would, it, would, it would top out at over 2 million people. Uh, Flavius Josephus is a Jewish historian and he, uh, he states that on one particular Passover that there were, uh, I want to get the number right, there were 256,000 lambs that were slain at the Temple Mount in Jerusalem during Passover. And so, if you can imagine, this was a huge event for the people of Israel and for the Jewish people. And so now Jesus, who has grown up, the Son of God, God in the flesh, taking the Passover meal year after year after year, He has now instructed Peter and John to ready the Passover meal. This is His Passion Week. Go and get the lamb. Slaughter the lamb, the Temple Mount. Meet me in the upper room. And it is here that He has this meal. And by the time of Jesus, it's important to know that, that now this was like a, 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 a codified uh, meal event. It's, it's actually became what's known as not just the Passover meal, but the Passover Seder. Because that word Seder means order. Many of you were here last uh, spring, Good Friday, we had a Passover Seder meal. And so that word means order. And so there's this order to this meal that Jesus would have participated with His disciples. And in that meal, without going too much into the detail, there would be four cups of wine through the meal. And those cups were significant. It was the cup of blessing. It was the cup of judgment. It was the cup of redemption. It was the cup of restoration. And in between the, the cups would be the remembrance of, of the bitter slavery in Egypt. And they would eat of the bitter herb. And then after the second cup, they would share this meal of the roasted lamb and the host, who would be Jesus in this case, He would walk them through the history of the Passover event and why it's so important and why it's so significant. But this time is different. This time, all of redemptive history is changing. That for centuries and Passover after Passover, countless animal sacrifices have been made throughout the years, but they all pointed to the once and for all sacrifice that alone had the power to forgive our sin and to make us right with God. That since creation and since the fall and since the law, that all of these sacrifices pointed all people to the fact that we need a once and for all sacrifice to take away our sin. So Jesus has set His face, as Luke 9 says, on Jerusalem. And He is about to institute a picture that He wants His church to never, ever forget. Matter of fact, He will tell us, as often as you do this, speaking of communion, do this in remembrance of Me. And so in Luke 22, verse 14, Peter and John have gotten the Lamb, they had made their way to the Temple Mount and the Lamb was sacrificed. 
They have brought the lamb back to the upper room. They have prepared this meal. And Jesus is going to change the whole, the, the whole meaning of Passover in a powerful way. Luke 22, verse 14. And when the hour came, and when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. So the hour had come. This is the fulfillment of a plan that had been set in eternity past. Like this was always going to be the plan. And up until this moment, it was always in the waiting, always in the preparing. Again, Every ceremonial sacrifice after ceremonial sacrifice all pointed to the hour when the Lamb of God would take away the sin of the world. And they're sharing this Passover meal. That word earnestly speaks of desire upon desire. That God's plan of redemption was established in eternity past and it is about to come to fulfillment in just about the next 24 hours. History will never be the same. Verse 16, the Bible says, For I tell you, Jesus says, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So this is significant because what Jesus is saying is, Passover ends tonight. Like this ceremony, the sacrifices, all of that thing, all of the the social ceremonial pieces of this Passover event, it all, it all is it's ending. Like Passover is over. It's not going to happen again. He does tell us He will celebrate it one time again when the kingdom comes, as we'll see. And as believers, we will be able to enjoy that time with Him. But He says in verse 17 that He took a cup and when He had given thanks, He said, and I want to hold that because likely this is the first cup, the cup of blessing. And it would be at the cup of blessing that the host, in this case Jesus, would spend an intentional moment to bring glory and honor to God. And so the host would praise God for His goodness and praise God for His mercy and praise God for His grace and praise God for His provision and praise God for His presence. And there would just be this praising of God after He takes this cup. And He goes on to say, Take this and divide it among yourselves, for I tell you, that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Jesus is introducing new meaning to the Passover meal. The Passover meal is completed. It is finished tonight. And He is introducing a new meaning to this old ceremony. This is the last Passover. And it's the first communion. The first Lord's Supper. I want to stop here just for a second because... Uh, we're going to walk through this passage. We're going to walk through communion together. But I think it's important for us to take a moment and just call a quick time out. And if you would join me in your Bibles in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I want you to jump over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, and then there's 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul wrote, the letter to the Corinthian church. This is a letter to the church in Corinth. And, and, and this letter in 1 Corinthians was actually written before Luke wrote his gospel. 
So what Paul's writing about to the Corinthians, Luke has not written this gospel that we're reading yet. Matter of fact, Luke was a tending physician to Paul on his missionary journeys. And so Paul, uh, God in His grace and the power of the Spirit through Paul gives us very important instruction as it relates to the Lord's Supper. Very important divine instruction. And, and, and as he does, he's addressing some major issues in the church. Major issues in the church. We won't go down all, like kind of chase all the rabbits here, but needless to say, he speaks of being, there being division among the church. So brothers and sisters are, are at odds with one another in the church. There's division. Uh, this would involve uh, a big meal, kind of agape feast, they would call, uh, where they would all come and eat the meal. And, and, and Paul says how they would gorge themselves on the, on the food and how the poor believers would come and, 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 and they should have an opportunity to be able to eat food at the table. But yet, because everybody was gorging themselves, the poor people didn't even have an opportunity to eat. People were, were getting drunk. I mean, it was just, it was just like, like communion, Lord's, Lord's table had just, it had been hijacked and it was not what God has intended. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22, Paul has just addressed and called out these, these, these problems that they were experiencing in that local church. And he says this in verse 22 of 1 Corinthians 11, Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. For the Lord Jesus on the night when He was betrayed, which is what we're reading in Luke 22, that when He was betrayed, He took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is My body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. And in the same way also, He took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. And verse 27, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Paul is helping us understand to, to take communion, to take the Lord's Supper. This isn't something that we would approach in, in like a flippant way or an unprepared way. Matter of fact, he's saying before you take it, let let him, let him first examine himself. In other words, Holy Spirit, examine my heart. Is there any things between me and my relationship with you, God, that I need to, I need to call it what it is. I need to call it sin. I need to repent of that sin. And I need to rest in your grace and forgiveness. Is there anything between me and another brother? Me and another sister? Is there anything, are there anything, are there any relational things that need to be examined and be made right? Is there anything, anything that we've kind of pushed into the, the dark spaces of our heart, areas that we know don't bring honor and glory to God, but we just kind of keep them tucked away? But what Paul is saying is he is saying, 
Let us examine our hearts. Let us bring our hearts before the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal any way that doesn't honor Him. And may we repent and yield of those things and prepare to take communion in a way that honors Him and glorifies Him. And so what I'd like to do is do that very thing right now. Because we're kind of teaching through communion and I want to give us a little bit of space to be able to examine our hearts, to be able to prepare our hearts to take communion. That this is so central and important to the heart of God that He gave us instruction through Paul to the church. This isn't to unbelievers. This is to the church. And he's saying, examine your heart, prepare your heart, because it's going to be through this Lord's Supper through communion that we unify together as the body of Christ and remember and proclaim His death until He returns again. And so, let's examine our hearts. You can do that sitting down. You can do that getting on your knees. You can do that coming to the altar. How it looks is between you and the Lord. But just that there is this space and time to do the very thing that God has asked us to do as we prepare for communion. And through this series, I've mentioned the word revival and renewal in different times in different places. But I think if you've been there, um, that perhaps at one time there was this time where you were on what they call fire for the Lord. <laughs> Like your relationship with God, you were soaking in His Word. You were just allowing His Spirit to use you in incredible ways for His glory. And yet, for whatever reason, maybe something along the way or a series of things have happened or like life just got so busy and other noises got so loud that your relationship with the Lord isn't, isn't what it used to be. But it's been said that revival, the distance between us and revival is a prayer away. It's a prayer away. And so let us carve out this time, carve out this moment, examine our hearts as we will return back to Luke 22 in just a moment and to walk through communion together. Let's pray.
bow our hearts, we bend our knees. Oh, Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things. Oh, Lord, we cast down our idols. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not turn our souls to another. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. In God, let us be a generation that seeks, seeks your face, O God of Jacob. In God, let us be a generation that seeks that seeks your face, O God of Jacob. invite you to, to take the bread and just hold it in your hand. Take the bread and hold it there in your hand. And in communion, believers take the bread that symbolizes His body. In Luke 22, verse 19, the Bible says, And He took the bread... And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you, to do this in remembrance of me. Now, it's important to know that history is changing. Passover is ending. God is instituting communion. He's instituting this Lord's Supper. It's a transition from the old covenant of the law to a covenant of grace and forgiveness. That there's no, going to be no need for any more temple ritual sacrifices. That there's going to be no need for these restrictions as it relates to the law. But rather, He is the one and the only one who could ultimately fulfill God's righteous requirement for those who believe. That it's only Him that can live the perfect life, a life we could never live. It's only through Him that died a death that we should have died. And yet he was placed in the tomb and he rose again the third day, proving he had the power to forgive our sin and make us right with God. So this likely would have come after that second cup, the cup of judgment, that they would have, that they would have, uh, the host being Christ would have walked through the Passover event. And now he's telling them this bread that you're about to eat is no longer the bread of affliction, but rather this bread symbolizes my body. And let us not miss what he says in verse 19. This is my body which is given for you. 
is given for you. This is the central truth of the Passover event. The central theme in the old was that there must be innocent blood in order to satisfy the wrath and the judgment of God. And yet here is Christ, the Lamb of God. Paul, or John calls Him, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Like He's the only one. He is the once and for all true Passover Lamb. But He's saying now, this, this what's called substitutionary atonement, it is a doctrine that is at the core of the Gospel. And that is this, Jesus took my place on the cross. Jesus took my place. His body for you. His body for me. He did this for us. He took our place. Isaiah 53, 5 says, But He was wounded for our transgressions, and He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we are healed. Jesus says, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I invite you now to prepare the juice. And in communion, believers take the bread that symbolizes His body. And in communion, believers take of the fruit of the vine that symbolizes His blood. In the same breath, Jesus says in verse 20, and likewise, so likewise is in giving thanks. And in giving thanks, and likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the, I love this, it's the new covenant. It's the new covenant in my blood. That it is most likely that it is after the third cup. Remember the four cups in Passover? The, the first, the cup of blessing. The second, the cup of judgment. What is the third cup? The third cup is the cup of redemption. And now he's saying this cup of redemption, it has a whole new meaning now. It is communicating to the world that I am that true once and for all Passover lamb. It's that picture once again of his substitutionary death for us. Our debt, our sin carries a sin debt that we can't pay. And so the only one who can pay it is God. And so what does God do? God, clothed in flesh, comes dwells among us and is that ultimate and true Passover lamb for us. That Jesus shed His blood on the cross for that payment because only He could satisfy the righteous requirement of the old covenant for us. And that's why we say He lived a life we could never live. That's why we say He lived a death that we should have died. That's why we say He paid a price that we could never pay. So Jesus says this, and likewise... He took the cup, the cup of redemption. And after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And in that moment, in that moment, in that upper room, the Passover has come to a close and the new covenant has been initiated. The new covenant has been inaugurated. God establishes His new covenant with the inauguration of communion, with the Lord's Supper. 
That this is the new covenant, he says, of my blood. It's not a covenant of law, it's a covenant of grace. It's a covenant of forgiveness. That in communion we remember that Christ is the true Passover Lamb. That every Passover leading up to this hour that had come, all of those sacrifices only pointed to the need for the greatest and the greater sacrifice. And that would be Jesus. That the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that for our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. This is why when Jesus came, John the baptizer sees Him and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why? Because He is the one and true Passover Lamb. In communion, we remember that Christ is the true Passover Lamb. And in communion, we proclaim His substitutionary death for sinners. The central truth in Passover, the innocent must be sacrificed for the guilty. It's the only way. And Christ is that Passover lamb. 1 Corinthians 11.26, we read it a moment ago. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. In other words, why do we do this? We do this. And it's, it's not apples and apples, but when I, when I want to remember something, I take out my phone and I go to those pictures and I remember. And in, a, in an instant, I'm reminded of crystal clear clarity this, the significance of the moment. What is Jesus saying when He's saying as often as you do this? He's saying, church, when you come together and you do this in unity, I am reminding you with crystal clear clarity what I have done on the cross for sinners. That this is proclaiming His death. It's, it's, it's showing the world. It's showing us. It's reminding us of what He's done for us. But it also points us to His glorious return. And I think it's very important to notice, to, to notice this because there is a question that has come up. Jesus and His disciples are celebrating Passover on Thursday night. But yet, isn't it on Friday when Christ is crucified that the Jews in Jerusalem are celebrating Passover? How does that work? And so if you remember, Jesus' primary ministry was in Galilee to the north. There were two ways to reckon time in that way. The Jews to the north, the Galilean Jews, they would celebrate Passover from a sunrise to a sunrise. And the Jews celebrating Passover in the south in Judea and Jerusalem, they would celebrate Passover from sunset to sunset. And so, uh, not to mention the fact when every single sacrificial lamb that was sacrificed for Passover, they were all sacrificed at the Temple Mount between the hours of 3 and 5 p.m. Between the hours of 3 and 5 p.m., that's significant. And so even the fact that there are over 2 million people celebrating Passover in Jerusalem, that this provides that opportunity, honestly, to be able to manage the demand of what was happening. Can you imagine the scent and the smell of that place in that Temple Mount? Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of sacrificial lambs. But yet, isn't it amazing God celebrates the Passover meal and now the Passover is over and it is now the Lord's communion. It's a new covenant. They're celebrating that sunrise to sunrise, but at sunset as they're having that Passover meal to the next sunset is when Jews in Jerusalem will be celebrating. And isn't it God's detail and timing and design that the Bible tells us that Christ was crucified and died at 3 p.m. 
Do you know what time that sacrificial lambs were crucified in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount? 3 to 5 p.m. The once and for all sacrificial lamb has laid down his life for those who will repent and believe in him. Christ took our place. And when we take communion, we identify with him. And the third observation is that in communion, we worship the resurrected Christ who will come again. Communicate in communion is worship. Worship is way more than a song. I, I'll say it to you like, hey, what, what's the worship music? Or what, you know, like, what's that? You know, immediately we go to a song, but, but we, we know worship is way bigger than that. Like, there's a song about it being more than a song. Like, it is because, because actually worship is our response to who God is. And so when we live life and when we serve and when we give and when we act and when we honor in His grace and His Spirit, in a way that honors Him, it's an act of worship. And when we worship, we are responding to God. And when we respond to God in obedience to this Lord's Supper, we are worshiping Him. And not only that, but this ordinance unites us, not with just believers in the room, but with believers on the other side of the world in South Asia right now. In Guatemala right now, in Honduras right now, in Mexico right now, in Europe right now. Everywhere, this ordinance unites us as believers. And we will keep on celebrating. We will keep on remembering. And we're going to keep being reminded of this picture. Why? Because it proclaims His death for sinners. And it also points to His glorious return. And we're going to keep on doing it until He comes again. And so I pray that as a church that we would grow to fall more in love with this blessing we get to share together as believers. This gift of communion. Never forgetting what Christ has done for us. He gives us this picture that should remind us with great clarity of what He has done for us and that He's coming again. So I want to pray with us and we're going to end, as I share, a little bit different. We're going to, we're going to pray and we're going to sing uh, a, a verse of a song, and that's going to be our amen today as we just continue in an act of worship. Uh, but as we do, I want to I give us a little bit of space to just reflect and praise the Lord for His love and His grace and His care. And then I will close us out in a time of prayer.